Survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Bradley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. Stonehaven Cup. Leishman to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is. Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to the show. It is Inside the Ropes, episode number 56. Andy Marr alongside Mark Hayes and Ellie Whittaker. Ladies before gentlemen, hello Elle, how are you? <laughs> I'm so good, good to be back. Hello Hazy. Hello, Mario. I'm thrilled that we've got golf commentary royalty in the box. Oh, Can we just say right oh, off the top? Stop. Now, we're going we're to spend a bit of time later in the show talking about uh, the way the game's being delivered to us, um, you know, the medium of TV. Uh, and we're not saying this just because you're here. We knew, I reckon we knew this a couple of years ago, Hazy. I think we both knew that the person we're sharing the booth with today was going to be very good at the craft. And the latest um, example we had of that, Al, was the work you did at the women's British, and um, I like the people you're working with, particularly Jay, but you were the standout for mine. You did a magnificent job, um, and thank you very much for getting Georgia Hall over the line as well. Uh, well done. A great job by you. Really good job. Thanks, guys. Here, here. I'm the best researched person in yes. world golf, I'm, I'm going to say. And I, and I mean that. I, no, I, I agree. It's blushing, so true. But you bring more to the table than anyone, male or female, mm. whatever tournament, fantastic. Really proud of you. Well done. Thanks, guys. Um, so, as I said, we'll talk about that a bit later on in the show. Uh, but when we were here last week, uh, your great mate, Hazy, was still with us. He's no longer. Uh, Jared Lyle is gone. Um, you're over the other side of the world, Al, when all this was happening. And it felt like the world reached out as best it possibly could to Jared Lyle. And uh, as he said, Hazy, in the last grab to you, that we will all move on. And the inevitable reality of life is that we do. Yeah, sort of. There's so much to talk about around around this still, but um, you know, I'm sure that we'll move from grief to a celebration of what was a, an amazing life. And we all reflect on um, 36 very short years, but at the same time, I'm he's jam packed a lot of stuff into those mm. 36. A lot mm. of people three times that age would never even dream of. So you know, we're gonna miss him terribly. Um, but yeah, what a what a tale, Ali. Um, I'm not sure how it reached your ears, um, the gravity of it all, and, and you know what the reaction was like in the UK. It was certainly pretty moving here. Yeah, I mean, I, I was lucky enough um, to know Jared since we were teenagers. Um, we were in the VIS together, and oh, yeah. um, and they're quite formative years. And and I think I knew pretty quickly that he was very special, um, just in general uh, as a human being, and. Um, reflecting on the good times with him. And I, I was thinking back even to our days, you know, at the VIS and that kind of thing. And, and since then, you know, he, he came out to visit me when I was in college at the US. Um, my coach <laughs> kept inviting him out for dinner, cause, which is usually reserved for family only, but I think he picked up pretty quickly that he was kind of part of my chosen family. 
um, over there. And, you know, I went to visit him at web.com events. And and so, you know, our friendship kind of continued after the VIS, but I, I just, one of my favourite memories, and it's so hard to talk about him in, in past tense, but we used to have to have compulsory sports psychologists sessions as part of the VIS and now it's already making me laugh (laughs) if if you have met Jared you'll know that he's probably you know he was one of the simplest guys um around really um just in his nature in his approach to golf that kind of thing and we used to stand on the putting green before his sessions and he'd say, Al, I don't know I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got a session coming up. I'm not going to name the sports psychologist because I feel like it's almost semi-disrespectful to do so. But he goes, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I've got, I've got 20 minutes with him. And so we actually used to make up problems that he was having on the golf course for him to go in. So I'd be like, what did you talk to him about in last session? It was kind of like our little secret (laughs) joke. Um, And he said, oh, last time I talked about putting, I said, oh, how do you feel about like just making something up about chipping this week? (laughs) And he'd go in and then we'd always debrief after it. I'd say, what kind of advice did he give you? So it was kind of, you know, like our little, our little inside joke, but it's just kind of classic Jared in, in so many ways. But you were also, there was always one unlucky person during each session that would walk out with a heavier golf bag as well. And like it happened to me a couple of times because I was as blonde as anything and super <laughs> gullible. And uh, I'd get home and then I'd be like, oh, my bag's so heavy today. Oh, I must have water bottles. And you look in there, nothing's in there. And then you lay your, your golf bag down and like 40 range balls <laughs> would roll out <laughs> from where the shafts would go. <laughs> and so, you know, everyone just, he was just like a classic larrikin and, and uh, you know, uh, it's, it was so hard being away and, you know, I just totally had to c- compartmentalise the information. You know, when we spoke last, I, I couldn't even open it because I yeah. had to function that day. Um, And sadly, that's just the part of being away, but I'm, you know, happy to be home now and I was happy to be home when I got the news. Yeah, and for those, you know, wanting to know, um, he is gone, he's mm-hmm. buried and uh, whatever the family chose to do, that's happened. There was a little private ceremony that not many people know about. Um, so that's happened and there will be a public memorial to be held in Torquay, all the details to be confirmed, but it'll be in late September. Mm. So everyone will get a chance to sort of, um, you know, air their thoughts and uh, share their grievances. But hopefully by that stage, more importantly, the great stories, as, you know, Ali just revealed there. Um, I will say, Andy, if you don't mind, there's been so many people reaching to all different aspects of the golf community personally and Golf Australia and the PGA and Titleist and Challenge Cancer saying, come on, we've got to do this, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. And... I'm all for helping down to the last penny that gets to Bryony and the girls. But I, I don't want anyone to think that their thoughts and wishes and ideas are falling on deaf ears. It's just going to take a couple of days. It's it's, mm. it's it, We have been talking about it for a couple of weeks because of the palliative care decision. So it probably seems longer, unfortunately, but he is only very recently passed. Mm. Obviously, this is our first show without him and... Um, yeah, if, if if I can urge everyone to keep their momentum and generosity, but don't rush everything because we want it to be something meaningful and substantial when it happens. So mm. I, I can't vouch for what that's going to be, um, but there's so many great people pushing to have something um, that's more, uh, I'll get, what's the word I'm looking for? 
I'm like, it makes me lose my words. Yeah, this no, situation. No, it's, yeah, yeah. But it, it, something more meaningful and long term. Yeah, um, okay. yeah. down the track here, um, and and immediately, um, I know that Titleist, for example, through Challenge, are going to offer packs to anyone who wants a pack to set up a golf day at their course. Going to contain something like four dozen balls and four Titleist caps, and they're going to set it up. Through challenge, if you've got a, if your club or your social club or whatever wants to run a competition, contact challenge.org.au or through, on the you know via the phone, just check it out on Google. Um, they will organise that. Um, they're contemplating the mechanics of doing things around hats, the bucket hats and things yep. at the moment. Uh, they're desperate not to be seen, and I've I'm having spoken to a couple of them directly. I know that this is not their motivation, not to be seen as doing something to benefit because there's no money going to go to Titleist from this. It's all going to go straight to the family. Whatever happens, they just literally have to get the machines available mm. to do what they want to do. So when that happens, I'm sure there'll be more updates on what we can do and can buy and help out the family and others suffering leukemia and good. through challenge. It's good. The understandable outpouring of people want oh, to it's, it's you know, overwhelming. do something straight away yep. you know, in the moment. So uh, that's totally gettable. Um, but you know, I think there's some logistics involved in all of this that are going to take some time. So, yeah, it's well said, Hazy. Yeah, I mean, we, what a what a luxury it is to have a moment where you lose someone special in your life and you always think that, you know, the world keeps going and your life kind of stops. And I think for both of us, at least, and I know, Andy, you know, you were close to him as well. It was so nice to see the, the outpour and to see that it really mattered to a lot of people. Mm. Um, I mean, social media. <laughs> it still know, does, Al. Yeah, 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 I know. And it, and it will and it will forever. But I think um, for me, it was just such a comfort to know that everyone saw what an inc- incredible person he was. Mm. No, he's left a significant... Um, He's left a significant mark on the planet that uh, we continue to occupy. So um, we'll continue to um, remember him with a great big smile on our face. It's a bit easier this week than last week. If you had done that last week, Ali, I would have been in a bucket of tears <laughs> and an absolute mess. So and so would have you, Country Club Green. We would not have been able to function had you been doing that in here last week. So we'll. Push on, and we'll lend you our shoulder if you need it. If I had a tissue, I'd pass it to you. <laughs> um, so let's talk golf. Um, the big one, there's one major left. That's the Evian, of course, and we'll talk about the big picture uh, a little bit later on. But in terms of the men's game now, the four majors are done, and Brooks Kepka is going to walk out of 2018 with his stocks <laughs> unbelievably high. I mean, he is forging a bizarre... A brilliant career. The way he's putting together his career portfolio is hard to get your head around it, really, what he's doing. World number two now as world num- well. World number two, and, and he's joined some of the dead set luminaries, Andy, of the sport. It's, it's, it's amazing to think that a bloke who still gets referred to as a guy who's only won three or four times on tour by all the Americans who... Um, yeah. Uh, who, the arse, where the yeah. world stops at the Pacific and the Atlantic coasts, yeah. uh, it, it's it's an extraordinary thing to to see. I'm I'm just going to go and try and relay some of these names that he's joined. Um, he has joined Curtis Strange and Ben Hogan, the only only uh, people since World War Two to have won U.S. Opens back to back, which is already great company. Mm. 
Uh, and by winning Open and PGA in the same year, he joins Hogan, Jack Nicholas, Gene Sarazen, and Tiger Woods to do that. I mean, this is, there's no chumps there. That's Who knows how Brooks Kepke is going to be remembered in 15, 20 years' time? History tells you he's going to be a great because they're greats. Well, they're like legendary greats. He's already won more majors than Greg Norman. Yep. Now, if you said to anyone on planet Earth, who's the greater golfer, they would say Greg Norman. But now that you know what he's done, whose career would you rather have? Already, whose career would you rather have? And if you're only measuring it by major championships, well, you take Brooks Kepka. And I don't think he's done. Like, I don't think anybody would suggest that he's done. That's a, that's a really fascinating um, comparison, Andy, because Greg Norman is probably the last person to have played in as many places uh, who's effectively American-based, who's played in as many places as Brooks, yeah. Brooks Kepka yeah. has. And yeah. it's not just that he was f- formatively in Europe on the Challenge Tour and the European Tour. As recently as the last two years, he's gone to Japan yep. and, and dominated over there in their big season-ending Phoenix yep. tournament. So, you know, I'd love to see him here, whether he comes, whether he's interested in golf enough to come is another question as well. But, you know, he's a he's a beast. He's a dead set beast. And I, I we, we could talk about this for an hour. I'm not sure how long no, you've well, got. Well, I think but... we talk about it until we're done talking about it because I reckon he's <laughs> there's, there's something very unusual about him. He's not a... Week in, week out grinder. He doesn't do that. And this is what he said. You know, one of the first interviews he did after he saluted, he said something like, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something like, you know, when I get to a major, I concentrate harder. Yeah. I concentrate on every shot. Whereas if I'm just playing on a weekly PJ Tour event, that doesn't happen. And it doesn't. So when he locks in, he gets to a, he can take himself into a zone that is required to block all the other stuff out to win a major championship. He's impervious. His heart rate actually sort of seems to decrease the more pressure he seems to be under. Um, which is harsh, mate. I reckon it rose to at least 46. 46, 47. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. Maybe it peaked. But that, what a gift. You know, what an internal gift to have, Al. Well, and that's something that you usually only hear about in relation to match play and stroke play. A lot of people say that, match play focuses them in a different way because every shot is almost an independent, you know, isolated moment. Mm. Um, and for him to be able to do that in the majors, that that's I, I can't really think of anyone that's ever phrased it that way about the majors that's so confident in their abilities. Like, why wouldn't you be? I think he's won three of his last six, mm. but <laughs> it goes not okay. bad. It yeah. goes all right. Yeah. <laughs> Decent record. Yeah. It, um, that was the words. He, he just said that um, they, they get my attention, hmm. was what he said. And and heaven forbid if the rest of the tour actually gets his attention. I don't think it will. It sounds like he's happily just rolling along through life and doing what he does and pumping his weights. He works out in the gym far more often than he plays golf. So who could he, what could he be is, a, is another big question. Well, but I, I, <laughs> I just go back to whatever you think of the USPGA Championship, it's a major and with nine holes to play on Sunday, the world was coming at oh, Brooks Kepka. Yep. You know, Adam Scott, Tiger Woods, Justin Thomas, Francesco Molinari, John Rahm, the list goes on. It was the who's who mm. of men's golf right now, all coming at him. And instead of going, ooh, he just hit four irons, 250 yards to five feet. Mm. It's just didn't even think about it. Mm. I mean, who does that? No, well, he does. He's only played 11 times this year. He's only turned it up 11 times in 2018. He's won two majors. 
He's run second. He's had a top 10. He's missed one cut. I mean, this was the guy who started the year with the bad wrist. He went to um, the season opener. That was, that was the start of this year, wasn't it? It was 2018. He shot, in the opening round of that tournament in Kapalua, he shot 78, 74, 78, 75 <laughs> to finish 37 shots behind Dustin Johnson, <laughs> who won that tournament. Now, if you had have said, um, if you had have used that as a precursor of things to come, you would have said, give it away, Brooks. Your wrist is no good. Take the year off. We'll see you in 2019. Well, he's got his wrist right, and he's come back and won a US Open or a US PGA. I mean, it is, by any stretch, it is a genuinely unusual and highly remarkable year that he's been able to produce thus far. Incredible. If there's, I think if there's one thing that, that epitomises and, and kind of encapsulates him and his personality, and I think that because there's not a lot of flair aside from his golf game. Mm. And, you know, I mean that in the way <laughs> yes, that, do you know what I mean? Like I that mean, Tiger yeah. has it and Sergio has it, you know, and Seve and that kind of, that, that ability to really move a crowd. Um, and I think the moment when he actually won shows that perfectly yeah, because really I did. mean, Adam Scott had what, 12 feet, I think left on the, fi- on the final hole and was expecting Brooks to mark his yeah. little two inch part, but he just went, no, and <laughs> just went and <laughs> tapped it in. And it's kind of like that almost encapsulates, you know, him as a golfer in a lot of ways. And I think the struggles that people have to relate to him sometimes, mm. because it is, there was almost something slightly anticlimactic about that. Like, no, take a the really moment for yourself. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. What was your take on that? Oh, that no, moment? I think you summed it up I perfectly. It up perfect. And the air came yeah. out of the crowd, you know, and... 15 minutes earlier when Tiger had rolled in his purdy putt on the last for a 64, his lowest score in a major championship final round ever, which is unbelievable at rising 43. Um, maybe we come to Tiger in a second. We Andy. will. We will. But, yeah. uh, you know, the crowd was, it was like a rock concert there at Bell Reef. I mean, St. Louis really got him behind it. And that image of him walking across the, the bridge to sign his card, looking down at the crowd, it was more like a, Guns and Roses, open air, papal visit. Yeah, papal visit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was extraordinary. No, no, it was so. And Ke- then, yeah. and then, and then Ke- for Kepka to sort of pop the balloon twenty minutes later it was a bit weird. I'm with you, Ali. It was just a, an yeah. odd conclusion. But you know, there should be some rule about major championships that the last shot to win should be the last shot of the tournament should be the shot to win it, and it should be nothing less than a twenty foot putt. <laughs> It needs to be something spectacular because of there can be that little moment of, oh, well, it's done now, you know, because there has, once he hit that, of all the great shots he played, the one that took my, actually took my breath away was his drive on 17. Oh, yeah. He just lined it up with those bunkers and we're all thinking he's just going to cut one with that power fade of his. They just cut one off those left pots and he'll just fade it in the middle of the fairway. No, he just hit a straight I don't know what you, it was. A, it was a bullet straight over the top of them, and poor Adam Scott, who was hanging on, trying to keep up with him for the last three or four holes, just trying to match him, you know. Um, and he knew he had to go a bit better because he sort of he he lost that share of the lead. Scotty just hasn't got it, he, and very few people on the planet have got what you need to actually go with him, and it. That drive on 17 was just breathtaking, I reckon. 338 yards, of which about 320-odd were two-word carry. Pure which carry. Is brutal. Yeah. And good point that you raised with Adam Scott. I mean, there are so few people in the world who could go with Scotty off the tee. Mm. 
and he tried to go with Kepka and couldn't. You never see Scott roll his drives left like that, but under the gun, trying to squeak that extra 10 metres mm. out to be vaguely competitive, knowing he's got a chase. That's what happened. And it wasn't a choke. Oh, far Scott. from a choke. It wasn't no, that at all. Not at all. He's just trying to find it, you know. He's just trying to find an extra 30 yards, and he, the poor bugger just couldn't find it. So... Um, no, amazing. You've got to remember that whole 600 yards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just think about that. If you yeah. if, if you say I've hit a drive 300 yards, which, you know, some people listening might have done that once in their lives. I've got no idea. Then you've got to back up and hit a three-wood another. 300. 300. <laughs> no one's done that that I know of. Or, well, there are a few, but not many listening right now. He's just hitting a, a you know, mid-iron in there yeah. at 600 yards. It's like, what sport is this? So, Tiger... <laughs> it's it's almost impossible for him not at the end of the day, as great as you know what Kepka has done, that will be the story that will be remembered on the honor boards. But for the rest of the year, or certainly for the for, until now, what is it, four or five days after it? It's not even that, it's two days after the tournament. Since it was, it was only, it was yesterday. Well, it's just yeah. yesterday, as far as yesterday. I need some sleep. Uh, it's, it's it's Tuesday Arvo as we're recording it. Tiger's the story. Tiger is, un- and this is part of the greatness of Tiger, and it's also part of the unfortunate kind of web that the game is caught in and trapped by that we can't <laughs> quite move past him yet. You know, the ga- we know the game needs to, but for here and now, Al, it just cannot. And when you see what he brings, well, why would you want to move past that? Well, uh, when you look at social media during during that broadcast, the I would say nineteen nineteen posts out of twenty were about Tiger. No, um, I mean his cumulative record in the last two majors is better than anyone in the world. Mm. He's I think he's nineteen under par for the last two, and that literally beats everyone else. Um, so it's great to see him finding some form. But like that front nine, so he's he finished at fourteen under, I think. That's right, and yep. he did all fourteen. Under par on the front nine. All of it was on the front nine. Mm. Like throughout the entire week. He was level par on the back. Um, And he hadn't hit a fairway on on the front nine. He was four under. And that's kind of the flair that I was talking about and referring to. Mm. Because he was hitting shots. And he just wait. He was waiting and listening for the crowd because the crowd had had encompassed him on on a couple of occasions, Mm. you know, when he's like bending it out of the trees. And the crowd's ahead of him. He can't see anything. And he's probably just going three, two, one. It's landed. There it is. Yeah, There's yeah, a reaction. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. just and just soaking it up. But How um, would that be? imagine oh, that. Yeah. It's, it's just and you know you, you, we talk about rock stars, but he genuinely is a rock star of this generation, whether you like him or not. Mm. And, and you know, given his uh, his very tainted um, and very well accoladed past, um, boy, it was great to see him back. He's in not the everyone's ring. cup of tea. I mean, for what it's worth, my missus is a she's a very much a part time watcher of golf because I force it <laughs> upon my family. No, no, we're watching the golf. <laughs> she can't stand the bloke. Like she cannot stand him. You know that that the his infidelities and that they will never. She is dogmatic in hanging on to that stuff. That is the shadow that you. She can't uh, be alone. No, no. Oh, she's not. I'm certain she's not alone. You know so. Um, Except when you're watching golf, then she's very much alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. 
John Huggin wrote a really interesting point, and he's he's copying it, and he's been a semi-regular with us here and, and a friend to many in Australian golf. Wrote a really interesting point on Twitter, and he's copped the caning for it from the US. But I, I think it's interesting, and it might segue to a bit of a chat on the Ballarive layout, Andy, mm. is could Tiger have done that if the greens weren't saturated? Is basically the tenet of his question. And, you know, shots like Ali was talking about where he's got to hit... He has to hit it over trees and around obstacles and whatever, and it has to land splat for it to work. Mm. That shot cannot be played at Canoosti. Admittedly, he's not in the he spot where that six. can he be He finished played. tied six at Canoosti. No, absolutely. Yeah. But the, the argument there would be that he didn't have to drag a driver. That, that's right. Yeah. So he didn't get himself in that trouble. No, that's true. So, you know, his, his iron play and his short game and his putting, which was, you know, easily the best of his generation when he was up and about is getting back to where it was. Um, his driving's clearly not. But could he do that on a course that wasn't drowned? Prob- well, the court, you, you tell us the answer to this because you played, <laughs> you played top-level golf. You, you have to play... The court, you have to play the course the way it's set up. Well, the counter argument is exactly that. Everyone you who's know, defending and ripping Huggy for it is saying, What do you want him to do? Well, that's right. He's got to hit that shot. Yeah. So he hits it and he hits it perfectly. And he proved that give me fast, bouncy, dried, you know, British links, and I'll play that okay, you mm. know, three weeks ago. So I understand what Huggy's saying, but I reckon on the evidence of the last two majors, he, probably as much as any player on the planet, has said, well, I can play whatever conditions you give me. Well, the plan changes. When the greens change, your, your plan changes all the way through the hole that you're playing, de- depending on where the hole location is as well. Um, so he wouldn't have been in the spots that he was in mm. off the tee because his plan would have been different if the greens were firmer. Um, you know, the same as same as British Open. But I guess, like, simplifying it even more, if he'd hit the shots that he hit, in particular you know, on the front nine on Sunday, if he'd hit those shots and they'd landed and still rolled out, we, w- we would have still thought they were amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. That's true. Yeah, yeah, from the positions he was playing from, I agree. So that, that, that look, the fact that he um, can contend at a fiery Canoosti the way he did mm-hmm. or at a wet Belrive the way that he did after all of the physical issues that he's been through, he's clearly able to, you, you mentioned the word compartmentalised before. You know, some people would struggle to walk around in public knowing that people are saying the things that they probably say about Tiger, you know, and his past. And he probably gets the odd bit of rubbish still from non-Tiger fans, you know, about the personal issues that he's, you know, laid upon his own sort of, um, life, mm-hmm. he probably hears all that, but his mental capacity to block all that out, and his physical capacity to still be able to contend in vastly different physical um, golfing terrains in the space of three weeks at the highest level, well, I, it blows me away. To be honest, I did not think that, and I know you didn't think no, this, was no, but no. I didn't think this was going to come. I didn't think we were going to get back to this, and, and the fact that he shot sixty four. Just that you got to look, take that, that that sits 
It's unbelievable. You think of all the great rounds yeah. he's played, he's never shot one better than 64 to close a major championship. A historical high point in yeah, it's that, one of the great that, careers, you know. That's phenomenal to yeah. me because uh, yeah. you know what he's done and <laughs> to be that to make that the best one. It's extraordinary. Um there's there's I mean I I think I have to fall on my sword. He is going to try and, you know. He hasn't done it yet. No, he hasn't, but it does it does seem imminent and I think the aura that he once had is starting to come back if for no other reason but the crowds well so i i I do think that people who thought you know maybe he will come back and be a good golfer but he won't have that aura well that's complete bollocks it's gone now so he's he's he's, um already got that wax out red shirt on and you get the feeling of look out here we go ali he's just so determined feldo mentioned this word um you know in the last he said this is not only is this great skill, this is unbelievable determination. When he hit that um, shot into the par, the par three, 16, 16. 16, when he hit 16. that straight down the pipe on 16, he said, this is great determination. You must have played with some people who you might have thought, well, I've got a better game than that. But they are just, they have got an iron will. You would see it now, <laughs> you know, like... Georgia Hall two weeks ago, she just wasn't going to hit a bad shot. Well, we're we're lucky enough to have one of those people on the show in in Stacey Peters, Stacey Keating. Right, ben. okay, yeah. Um, Stace started golf very very late, and I remember when she came along, she's like, "I want to be a pro golfer," and she was sixteen. And I was like, "All right, mate, yeah, sure." Huh. Got a way to go at that point in time, yeah. and she just wanted to play all the time. She played, she'd go out and she'd play thirty six holes over and over again because she had enough daylight to do it, and an incredibly unbelievable work ethic but just real mental toughness um so and she's someone that i've always looked up to Mm. uh because of that but i think you know in regards to tiger um what makes him special is is something that seems so naturally intuitive is that his golf iq is so high that he sees a shot so he's got a ball you know the ball is above his feet he's out of the rough he goes all right so i want to come into the ball at this angle I need to swing it on this angle to make it turn and draw, you know, and and get to that back left hole location out of the rough, and then he executes it. He can move his body in a way that matches his golfing IQ, and that's the disconnect that really can separate the majority of professional golfers. You can have something that you think you can execute, but it's not within the realms of possibility. Mm. But his body is able to morph to match his knowledge, which I think is something truly pretty spectacular. Good point. I, Andy, I, and one more thing. Um, you and I discussed in another forum um, earlier in the week about the courses and how they're going to be set up and who it brings into play and who it takes out of play. I, I'm not sure if you, if you think that warrants another chat, but I'm... No, you can definitely mention that, I think, yeah. yeah I, I mean, Tiger, uh, and listening to Ali clearly becomes the exception or one of the exceptions to that rule. But I think we're going to be able to look at courses in the upcoming few years and say, right, Jordan Spieth, you can't win here. Yep. Molinari, you can't win here. And then the same is going to be true of, a, you know, a Dustin Johnson or a, a, or a Brooks Kepka or whoever, when, when we get to the bouncier places, yep. you know, we, we put a big question mark on them straight away. Uh, I just can't see. If you look at that leaderboard, Francesco Molinari is a freak show to how he hits the ball to contend among all those other guys. And it's just a credit to him to be tied sixth again. That's Mm. just keeps his extraordinary run going and full credit to him. 
but that's probably the extent of his capacity there, I would have thought, because everyone above him is a bomber. Mm. Massive hitter of the ball. Scott, Rahm, Thomas, Woods, Kepka. Mm. You know, you can just see tree-lined courses, wet, no strategy, just bomb it and chase it and hit it again, and you know you're going to hit it 73 metres, and that's what you do. Then we can pick these guys out as winners. When you've got to manipulate the ball a little bit better, then maybe we bring in the Molinaris and Spieths and, and uh, you know, those sort mm. of guys. Um, hopefully Jason Day can span that, but his putting wasn't on. But um, I don't think that's a great delineation for the sport because the Masters provides a, a, a different challenge and can each day because of the way they look after the course. The Open, if it's dry like this year in Britain, is mm. can be bouncy and hard. But the Open, US Open and the US PGA are just increasingly becoming... Well, they always were in modern times, anyhow. Narrow, wet, yeah. high, rough slog festivals. Well, they've got, well, got a problem, haven't they? Because the USGA has set up a few US Open courses in recent memory that haven't been... They've been penal and hard, but they haven't necessarily been wet. And they've brought their own criticisms... Um, so true, that's they're, true. They're somehow they're somehow caught the the Americans in terms of outside of Augusta are somehow they don't quite know they can they can create a great finish like you know that was excite it was an exciting finish if even if the the golf wasn't very exciting in and of itself but the the climax to the tournament was was pretty spectacular but if it if it wasn't for Tiger I wonder whether we would have been saying the same thing and maybe we would have had a more critical eye on the type of golf that was required to win the 100th PGA Championship um, if it wasn't for the drama that was created by the players. You know? just, if you want someone to shape a shot through a, you know, an, an obstacle course in front of you, do you want to pick Jordan Smith or do you want to pick Gary Woodland, Ali? <laughs> yeah, good point. And, and that, yeah. that's the choice that's we point. have to make with yeah, our, with our course setups. Uh, I, could, can I ask Ali what she thinks about Adam Scott? Because you and I, yeah, have, of course, you know, banged on about this for ages. What did you, you make of that? Thirty-eight years old, one top ten in the previous fourteen starts. It's uh, is it a blip or is it a sign of what's still ahead? Well, to be honest with you, I, I loved it. I thought there was some shots that he played that were flawless. That honestly. Um, in terms of everyone's always talked about his his swing, um, and I think everyone has learnt that has been a student of golf over you know the last ten years um, to watch him on the greens, and that in itself is something that's really difficult when everyone knows the part of your game that's been your flaw, mm. um, and that's always haunted him really you know and especially between the long putter and then carrying two putters in his bag and well you know back and forth um you know I just think everyone else has just gotten better that's what it comes down to for Mm. me is that it used to be you know Tiger Sergio David Duval when they first all came on the scene but we have 20 players of that caliber now and next year we're going to have 25 and the year after that we're going to have 30 so it's going to become harder and harder to be dominant and harder and harder to win. Um, he's probably playing the same golf he was 10 years ago. You know, maybe not, you know, when he became, you know, number one, but I, I don't think that people necessarily understand that the form's not necessarily dropping off. It might just be that you're not getting that extra one or 2% mm. that he he looked for on the back nine that mm. we talked about earlier. Mm. Oh, well, he had it for a while. 
like it was there when he started. He drops that. He dropped the shot on the first, and then when he found some range with the putter from about seven, eight, nine through to about twelve or thirteen, when it did dry up, he looked every bit the player who was the best player on the planet for a while because he mm. was doing it under the caution, chasing down and you know drew level. Um, it, it was all back. You yeah, know, it was. it was all back. I thought um, that was very uh, telling that he mm. could play the shots that he wanted to play at the right time. And sort of as you described before with Tiger until the very last. Mm. Um, and he, he saw off a lot of great players I and mean, just in the hope that Kepka would blow up and he didn't, but you know, it, I'm sure he would have finished second had he not been chasing. Yeah. Yeah. So, or at least equal with Tiger. So, you know, if, Again, I've potted him a little bit, Andy, and here. Not, yeah, not no, for no, his not, play, but no, for his yep. will he win another major. And has he got enough out of what he's, yeah, the yeah. natural gifts, yeah. 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 And and again, I mean, I look back the other day and from, you know, he was a fixture in the world uh, in the top five, top six, every major for five years from 2011 to mm. 2015. And this this is the first time he's been back in that realm since. So hopefully it sort of uh, gives him the belief, because I think that's all it is, Ali. I agree with, with it, what you said, that, if he has the belief in his putter that his best can still contend in the majors, then maybe we've got more left in him. Let's hope so. So we'll get a break out of the way, but you've mentioned the two, carrying two. What does that tell you? Um, <laughs> well, I just don't think you can be in two minds about something that is as feel-orientated as putting. I, that's, that's really all I have to say about it. You can't be split. There you well, go. Yeah, that's why, that's why she's the best. Yeah. That'll do. Uh, we're going to break out of the way here on Inside the Ropes. Uh, there's plenty more to talk about. We're going to talk about the inequity between the men's and women's games. I know it's something that Hazy's red hot about this week. We'll have a chat about that when we come back. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian Golf's national junior program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. My golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. So, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. G'day, I'm Greg Chalmers. I'm a long way from home here in Dallas, Texas, but I love catching up with all the Aussie golf news on Inside the Ropes. Welcome back to the show. It is Inside the Ropes. Just keeping amongst the three of ourselves today because there's a couple of um, big topics that we want to just roll around the middle part of the show. We're going to get to the first one through the name of Inby Park, Hazy, because something's happened to her last week, which has got, in the scheme of things, it's probably a little thing, but it leads you into asking some big questions about some rather large issues. Yeah, and I mean, I fob off some stuff on Twitter and I, you know, deliberately, and some sometimes I respond and pot, and sometimes I respond and cop one on the chin and whatever. And there was a, uh, I'm not sure if you know her, Ali, but a, a lady called Alison Munt. I think she's from Queensland. Anyway, she's a professional golfer. Of uh, if she's not still, she has been, and she basically um, got stuck into me via GA, not me personally, but GA Golf Australia Twitter handle the other day because I retweeted something. Um, around uh, Adam Scott chasing what would be, you know, he'd become the third Australian to win more than uh, one major. And boom, Alison went nuts on me. And that, and I get that. And I, I went back and I explained that, you know, the, the implication was that it's men's. Mm-hmm. You know, last week when we were all about the Women's British Open, to the complete detriment of the WGC, we didn't even 
give a continental mm. about it, which mm. I think is was great. I from from my perspective, it was great. Anyhow, agree. Um, you know, it was all implied that it was women's. Everything statistically was women's, and, and I think I explained that to her. But she then convinced me of a really good point that even though I could argue that away, yep. she actually said it's probably up to you, being GA, to stop the generalization of these things happening. Like you need to put some sort of imprimatur on it just to explain it. I said, well, <clears throat> pardon me, that's not the case in this instance and it never will be because I'm not going to discourage people from tweeting about Adam Scott. But I do take your point on board and I, and you know, we chatted on Twitter on in the backdrops and she actually wrote something to me today getting to your original point. She said, we're all in this together. We've got to ask ourselves, what can I do today to right these wrongs? Take every opportunity. Let's go. And she's retweeted to me a tweet from Beth Ann Nichols, who's a Golf Week reporter in the United States. And she brings this incredible story to light. Apparently, a few people more know it, but here it is to light now. Inby Park, who in my mind is the greatest female golfer on the planet right now, was at, and I'm sure Ali can fill us in a little bit more, but was at the Women's British Open at Litherman St. Anne's and did a three-wood, a bit of damage, and went to TaylorMade to try and get another stick and was told that she had to pay for a replacement. Now, this in the light of $7 million less purse for the same event, effectively a couple of weeks apart, the men's major and the women's major, that's, that's another problem that's going to take a long time to overcome. But that, I'm afraid, is complete gibberish from Taylor made that is inexcusable for uh, what a six or seven time major winner an Olympic gold medalist the world number one until a couple of days before that incident a legend a certain Hall of Famer give her a three wood for goodness sake yes I, I copped a bit of stick for swearing last week Andy I had to rein that <laughs> one back a bit <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I don't know what your thoughts Ali are, but uh, you know, it does, it does really highlight it. And to me, uh, another Shiloh Curtis, we've had on briefly and we'll come back on again soon. She, you know, she's made me think differently about how clubs can conquer these things. And she's going out and confronting different attitudes and trying to win them over through, through love, not direction. Mm, mm. And, uh, um, it's made me really think about, um, how we all just traditionally in inverted commas, uh, approach all these aspects of women's sport generally, but golf here and what we need to do, like not just don't sort of, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. So yeah, I agree with that. And, and, yeah. and I, I have to, you know, I'm, I'm learning I, every, every week right now I'm learning around this vision 2025 and I'm pretty sure that Alison Munt won't be listening to this, but I've heard it. And we're listening, and we're on board. And I, I can't get in the park three wood alley, but uh, we're all we're all having a crack. Yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation um, because there's there's more than one component. It's it it's a commercial it, it's a commercial entity. Golf, it's a business, and you can choose to look at it like that, or you can choose to look at it as a way of life that brings a lot of joy and a lot of health benefits to to people in the community and you know a sense of belonging and something that that is almost the the complete antithesis to to the commercial side um one of the replies i actually read on the back of Beth Ann's uh article that you you're referring to hazy someone wrote that i bet i could outdrive in me <laughs> i know 
so I don't know what all of the hype's about. And I and you know, I'm not really, really very yeah, I'm not very vocal, but I wanted to say yes, and she's going to trounce you by thirty five shots. <laughs> like oh. you can outdrive her. Would you ever put a male and a female boxer in the same ring? Of course not. I mean, and so, you know, you talk about these things that just seem so trivial that... You That's know, a good example. And another good one in the recent couple of summers, and Andy, you're all over this, the WBBL is, you know, people go, oh, they're so boring to watch the women's game. Well, that's absolute dribble. And they go, oh, the boundary line's in. Well, the ball doesn't travel as fast. The girls don't hit it as far. Deal with it. It's a different game. Mm. It still is entertaining. Uh, it's, look, it's... it's I, I understand... I know you well enough to know that um, you are you have a broad view of the world mm. and you don't see things in um you, you see you see the bigger picture but the one thing i understand about the world which we live in now if we're searching for equality is that language is really important yeah. and if you do talk about australia's greatest golfer then you need to be conscious of the fact that Australia's greatest golfer is probably Kari Webb. No doubt. Um, so if you – and I'm not having a go at you here, Hazy. This is what I've learned. You can't – if you want to talk about Australia's greatest men's golfer, then you need to be explicit. Likewise, you do if you're going to be um, talking about the women's game. And I don't think you can possibly hope – not you specifically, you being we, we being us. I don't think, I don't think we can ever hope to get ultimate equality – in any sphere, and you don't want to be too preachy about all of this, but unless we are conscious of the words we use and the language we choose um, when we discuss these sorts of things. So, um, you know, the fact that the people who are in the truck at Taylor made on that particular moment in time couldn't see the bigger picture. Not that that was a very difficult picture to see, for goodness <laughs> sakes. You are dealing with, you know, one of mm. the greatest female players in the history of the game. Just... Come on. I mean, what the hell are we talking about here? It's, it's, to be honest with you, it's really surprising. And I have to give, I mean, I, in this situation, I don't really want to give them a wrap, but Taylor may have been a massive, massive support of the women's game. When I was playing oh, on yeah, tour, yeah, yeah, yeah. they were the main presence on all of the ranges. Um, anyone that played on tour was welcome to go and get fitted and get whatever clubs they wanted at the, you know, the Taylor made kingdom in Carlsbad. Um, their argument within this discussion is that if you are playing the fairway woods, we're not giving you anything unless you play the driver as well. So they say that that happens in the men's game and that it is across both tours. Um, I haven't confirmed nor denied whether that's actually the case. I haven't spoken to any of my mates on the men's tours yet. Um, I, I probably will just mm. to just to hear it out, um, just purely <laughs> out of curiosity's sake as to whether or not they're backing it up. Um, the thing that I found interesting, and you you know, I, I've got a friend that was also mentioned, a couple of friends that mentioned this article, Mo Martin. She'll go and pay for her clubs. She's bought them online. She doesn't care what she uses as long as she plays um, the best possible set. Inby changed from TaylorMade Woods back to Srixen, which is a pride thing yeah. because you've gone to me I can't, you know, you don't respect me enough to give me three clubs that probably are worth cost price, what's maybe $60 each, probably less mm. than that. Mm. Less. Yeah. So you're looking at less than 200 for a couple of fairway woods. Um, and she went back to Srixen because of the point that she was trying to make as well. So but let's... Ex sorry, just further to your yeah. words, because in that same story, um, and we refer to Kari, and we do, and shamelessly, and I hope Kari doesn't mind that we do this, because I got nothing but respect for Kari, like... Mm. 
100% of course. respect. She's quoted in this story. It says, It just goes to the fabric of the inequality that is trying to be changed in golf, but it still exists. And it doesn't get spoken about at all. So maybe, just maybe, and I know that people, you know, they might have wanted an interview in this segment today or, you know, they might have wanted a different rant or whatever. Uh, it's just a, these are conversations we have to have. Of course, and it's why everybody at Clubland all over Australia needs to be mindful of that. You know, don't, I, I, I get, and we've had this conversation before, mm. um, but I, I love it on a Saturday morning now when I see a group of four women playing mm. on a Saturday morning comp. I love it. The day that there's... As many, if not more, women, if they choose to play on a Saturday morning, playing in the Saturday morning comp at my joint, hallelujah! Like, bring mm. it on! It's a beautiful thing that that it's better. Don't, don't we all see that as just being better? Doesn't it just make it a better golf club and a better? I, yeah, I see it as being making it a better golf club for sure, but I don't see it happening as enough as it should. And mm. and and I think there's still a lot of attitudes on boards around Australia, where you know they've climbed to a certain point because this is the way it's been, and we're in a we're in a committee situation mm. where we don't want to rock the boat. And, you know, this is the way it's been for 50 years or 150 oh, mate, years, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, by and large, we're dealing with reasonably conservative organisations. Let, let's be honest. Like, they're Incredibly. not at the cutting edge of – they're not at, most golf clubs aren't at the cutting edge of you – know, particularly, you know, sort of exclusive golf clubs around the world aren't at the cutting edge of, mm. you know, equality and, you know, sort of breaking down barriers. That's not generally what they – make a name out of themselves for doing. Well, one of, the, one of the things that, and one of the rumblings that I heard at the Women's British, you know, two weeks ago, um, and I hope that they're true, but rumours around a, a new incentive of sorts and, and more, of, more than anything else, just a bit of a, a push from the RNA to get more equality in regards to prize money under their, their own championships. Mm. Um, it's a long way off right now, but... There was there was a discussion and there was murmurs of the fact that they too might um, embrace, hopefully, you know, obviously not something similar to the Vic Open because I don't think that that would be fair on a major scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I I hope it comes into fruition. There was just a lot of discussions being had behind closed doors and um, in, involving TV as well. So, I, you know, I hope we see some results from those. Can I ask you a question without any notice at all? <laughs> So there's, there's t- 10 million plus in the prize pool of the men's British Open and there's 3 million plus in the prize pool of the women's British Open. So without, let's just round it up to $14 million. What do you think would happen on the men's side of the game if they said, right, we're playing for $7 million each next year? What what do you think the reaction would be from primarily the US tour-based players to coming over and playing for $3 million less? I think there's a response that I'd like to say, and then there's you know the response that is, does anyone like taking a pay cut? Probably not. Um, their endorsements presumably would stay exactly the same because um, they're performance based on T10, T20, not on whether you made fifty grand that week or a hundred grand that week. Um, there would be some guys that would a hundred percent get behind it, and. I would like to think that that would be at least a minimum of a quarter of the tour would get behind it instantly. Um, obviously, I can't speak for everyone. And there, and there's quite a spectrum of personalities on the men's tour as well, as as is any, you know, collection of yep. humans from different cultures on the planet, really. Would there be a boycott of any level whatsoever? 
I don't think there'd be a boycott, no. I can't possibly imagine that would be the case, Hazy. Not, not for a major championship. I mean, surely they take themselves out of their own little weekly bubble for an, for an event like this. And I mean, the two that you can see it happening, I mean, the US Open and the, and the British Open, yep. they're the two that, you know, share some kind of historical kind of parodies. Yep. Um, I would, how, what, a, what a magnificent thing it would be if that actually happened. It doesn't diminish at all. The winner it doesn't diminish winning those championships at all. If you're only making only, if you're only making one, the winner's only pocketing one point nine million <laughs> instead of you know three and a half million. I mean, yeah. give me a spell. Well, that's not, that's exactly. And I, sorry, that's not going to happen. I'm just I was just, yeah yeah that yeah was pure yeah. speculation. But what I, do you I, think? I, you don't think seriously think that? Oh, I think there'd be people stay away. Are you serious? Yeah, I think. Oh well, be, they're, they're just morons, and they should be named. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Until it happens, yeah. we won't ever know yeah. that. And I, I don't know who they are, yeah. but I'd love to know oh, who I they are. Know. I wouldn't <laughs> mind bowling a few names up. If you're wow. going to oppose it, yeah. if so if they bring it in and you're going to oppose it, you have to publicly oppose it. Yeah. And Spot then on. deal with the yes. consequences. <laughs> hey, okay. So last one, just sort of just segueing slightly off that. And it's sort of in the, if you want to be, it, you need to see it kind of theme of equality that we've sort of been discussing the 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 visual presentation and the ability to see as much and if you're a f- fan of women's golf you watch a lot of women's golf if you're a fan of golf you watch a lot of golf it's easy enough to find but hopefully we're going to find more we're going to see more and you mentioned one of you mentioned the Vic Open before it's owning its own product for lack of a broadcast partner um, you've been you mentioned something before we come in and I don't know about eleven sports. So I want you to explain to me what it is, and I wonder whether at the end of this, people who listen to the explanation of it might come to the view that perhaps this is the next wave in golf owning its own product and taking the great female and male players' talents around the world. Well, I've been talking about um, the the future of broadcast, and I won't say television because I, I genuinely don't think it's going to be television. I think in the last even three or four years, we've seen consumerism change substantially um, in regards to how people watch TV, mm. whether they watch Netflix, whether they, you know, watch Stan or whatever kind of subscription-based, um, internet-based viewing platform they choose. Um, and I've been a strong believer that there's eventually going to be net sports or sports flicks or whatever you want to call it. I think it's they're they're no doubt they're building they're building it now mm. they'd be crazy not to um so i had a discussion with uh, a tv crew uh, about 18 months ago about this very topic talking about you know i think eventually you're going to be able to sign up for a, a golf coverage package mm-hmm. where you get to watch whatever golf you want to watch you get to you know, watch golf in Korea, you know, maybe Japan, obviously not with English commentary because we're not quite there yet. But, <laughs> but you can watch the men's, women's, but you buy the sport and then you get to click onto it whenever you want. And, you know, maybe they make extra content as well, like a, have a weekly show to keep you in mm. the contact. Maybe they choose Inside the Ropes to be their commentators. I don't know. Mad not to, really. Yeah, really, yeah. honestly, <laughs> at least for the Australian division. But I do think it's the future. And so this past week for the PGA, um, 11 Sports UK, which is an online-based sports subscription platform, um, it's owned by Andrea, um, I think it's Radazani, who is the um, owner of Leeds United. Right. He 
essentially bought the rights. The other two broadcasters, so it's BT Sports and Sky Sports in the in the U, um, UK, which is our kind of Foxtel kind of subscription, mm-hmm. um, the price was too high for them. They weren't happy with it. They didn't choose to show it and, and got outbid by 11 Sports UK. Um, the downside of that was that it's the first time anyone's really tried to stream a major. And I think you heard a couple of things about it as well, Hazy, kind of through the through the grapevine. Uh, it didn't go great. Mm. I think their opening shot, and forgive me if I'm wrong, <laughs> was the side of a truck. Terrific. With tone, you know, the... the <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. <laughs> that wasn't a sound nice. effect, guys. That, that was Andy. That would make more sense than Johnny Miller. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. But yeah, so I mean, eventually, you know, the, the show goes on and um, a lot of people actually miss the final part because oh. of being either logged out of the subscription or buffering. Yeah. And so yeah. a whole a whole chunk of people missed that final moment oh. once he walked up to the to the 18th green. Um, issues, yes. Uh, I don't know if this is going to turn into like the mini disc of technology. For those of you that don't remember the mini disc, that's my point. Right. <laughs> it came between the, the CD and the iPod and it was short-lived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... I don't think it will. I think there's going to be a bigger and better solution, but um, I don't know. It's, well, they it's, tried that here. They tried. It's happening. It's already happening. I mean, Optus. I'm not sure where we sit from a GA perspective, mentioning brand names, Hazy, but I'll right. just mention it. Optus, you know, obviously bought the rights to the World Cup of football, and they wanted to supply it back to the Australian market in exactly the sort of format that you're discussing. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. They just the technology couldn't cope with the traffic and demand, so they had to give it to SBS, and we had the terrestrial um, coverage. I think that's the right way. Of, yeah, we had a TV coverage. Um, so until you know they get the back end right, uh, they can't. They can't conceivably be owning major commodities in the world of sport because it'll do more damage to their brand than it'll do good. But I hundred percent agree with you. I mean it's. It's going to happen. I mean, it's happening now. The EPL we don't get to see on TV anymore in Australia. Um, that's been bought by Optus, so you need to be one of their subscribers and you need to get it through their own supply vehicle. So it's 100% happening. And once the technology's right, and, you know, my kids and the, that their generation, it's probably just going to be the way it is. They won't know any other way. That's just – and hopefully as a result of that – um, we get it provided for not as much. You can pick and choose your product more specifically, so you don't have to buy a whole lot of stuff you don't want just to get a sports package as part of a pay TV provider. Um, and hopefully, everything's available. Everything is available, you know, as opposed to. I'm that confident that Ali's got her finger on the pulse that I'm going to go out and uh, trademark the word sport flicks. <laughs> It's a good name. Hey, look, let's, there's been a lot. There's a lot of meat on the bone in all of that. Um, hopefully, you're as interested in all of that as I am, because I've found it um, all really interesting. And we'll wait and see how it all plays out. We'll get a break out of the way. There's a few more bits and pieces hanging over from that, and another, well, a couple of things we need to tidy up with, as we always do. 
uh, when we come back here on Inside the Ropes. Hi, this is Sherelle McMahon. Swing Fit is the fun, healthy, social way for women to get started in golf. You'll learn the basics of the golf swing and how to putt over a six-week program and get your whole body moving through yoga and Pilates-style exercises. You don't need any golf knowledge or equipment. Simply turn up in comfy clothing and get started. You'll be surrounded by like-minded people and receive constant support. So get outdoors, meet new friends and learn a sport that you can play for the rest of your life. To find a program Near you, visit swingfit.com.au. G'day guys, it's Ryan Russell here, and I'm a long way from home playing on the Latin America tour and living in the US, but I keep up with all my Australian golf by listening inside the ropes. Welcome back to the show. Um, inside the ropes, Andy Marr and uh, Mark Hayes and Ellie Whitaker. Just before we get too far away from commentary, can I just give a little shout out to uh, Ewan Porter, uh, Australian voice who's bobbed up uh, on the big time. Um, coverage of a couple of major championships recently. Like all commentators, nobody's everybody's bag, and I understand that. But one thing I'll say about Yui, uh, Patrick Cantlay, on the, who's the at the moment the number one ticket holder in the Roger Bannister. He's the Don fight. Bradman. He is the Don Bradman. The Roger Bannister. So on the Friday, was it on the par three? Yeah, 21 waggles. 22. 22 waggles. 22 waggles hanging out, standing over his ball. It was... It was unbearable to watch. And the American commentators is kind of half, mm, yeah, you know. Mm. Well, in comes you and Porter. Well, that's just, that's a disgrace. That's disgraceful and that's pathetic. And just called it, just called it. So I know you do more of this than we do. It's a difficult, it's a very small community, the world that you, you the world you occupy. And that world, <laughs> that'll get back to Patrick Cantlay in a heartbeat. They, this Australian bloke was calling you a disgrace and I don't reckon you and Porter will back away from all. I reckon it makes him more valuable as a golf commentator mm. than less. Um, the difficulty in putting yourself out there to make the call that we're probably back here all thinking, but sometimes you've got to you've got to um, choose your words very carefully as a commentator. Well, he, that, just, he just went with it. That's uh, that's that's kind of the art form in a lot mm. of ways. Um, is People at home understanding that you're dissing someone without actually saying it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's ways to have opinions, and and there are you know you think about it's so many people in in broadcasting that are known for speaking their mind and for sometimes copping back flack because of that. Um, you know, think about John McEnroe in tennis; mm. like he's a classic example of that. Um, it's just a balance because. The, as soon as you do it, your next interview with them most likely is is a no, hmm. and you can burn bridges in certain ways. Um, I definitely try to choose my words pretty carefully when I when I'm on air in terms of the fact that I will say, oh, you know, maybe we should go and pop off for some lunch while we're while we're at it, and we'll you know, and and kind of crack a joke yeah. at that person's expense. Obvious, it's quite obviously at their at their expense. <laughs> they're the only person on the screen. But you know ways ways to do it. Um, it's pretty brave of, of you and to just go out there and and uh, and throw it out there. As someone who hasn't quite got the IQ of Ali, I'm <laughs> I can't match those <laughs> the nimble thoughts. So well, I, I'm 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 in your camp. I love that you and said that. I don't mind that he's loose. Oh, I just thought he was being honest. And and the other example from the PGA Championship, which was feeds into this kind of US centric coverage that we get, you know, by and large back here in Australia. Uh, I don't know whether you're watching Shane Lowry um, was trying to get 
um, you know, the ruling on 16 on the yeah. Sunday. And, With you know, Justin Thomas. Yeah. And all they were worried about was oh, the impact this is having on Justin Thomas. Yeah. Oh, he's getting really angry because he's waiting for Lowry's ruling. Well, hang on. What about the poor bloke who's trying to get a decent ruling from hitting behind a toilet? Um, what about him? How mm. about sharing? I mean, if, if the roles were reversed, it would have been selling the drama of Justin Thomas on 16 and, oh, we've got to get down there. What's, you know, you know well the said. mental strength of Thomas to cope with all this. The way they just don't see out of their own um, tiny little universe that they, and I know that's a big place and I know they are what they are, but there's a whole big world out there that lives and exists beyond the Star Spangled Banner and, you just see it way too many times with their coverage. And it was just another tiny example of that for me. It was really poor form. I, I did a podcast at the start of the year where um, I was asked, I want to say, six, 10 questions or something like that. And it, was, and it was based on who I thought wouldn't, wouldn't. Would, do you think this person's going to win this year? Do you think it was that? And I was pretty frank about it. Uh, I use stats. I back up my opinions with numbers. Mm. Um, I try to at least. And... The other, the other people on the line kept going hard on the American side. And I'm like, how can you possibly tell me that that person is going to win or have a top 10 this year when they haven't been inside the top 20 in the last five years? Mm. How does that happen? You know, and, and I came off looking kind of probably like you and Porter sounded yeah, <laughs> in yeah. a way. But, you know, it's, it's just that emo- emotionalism, I guess. I don't know what to, you know. Within their broadcasting, mm, that broke, sometimes oh, it's yeah, jingoistic. I mean, it's just it's about them and nothing else, you know. So um, anyway, that's my little. I wasn't quite a rant of hazy proportions, <laughs> but I just that's a good to, thing for the show. I think um, Travis Smythe defending this week up in the Northern Territory. Yeah, um, been a big year for for Trav, and this is not so much about him now, but he's the star. Um, which is fascinating at the Northern Territory PGA Championship this week. Um, it's going to be another great tournament. I know that everyone in the Territory and around Darwin, but everywhere around the Territory is excited that uh, um, you know a big-scale tournament is back in their backyard and, and looks to have a bright future. I think, I'm not 100% sure about this, I stand to be corrected, but Aaron Pike's family um, lives on the property adjacent to the course. Uh, and they've actually put their hand in their pocket and the sponsors of the tournament. Is that right? I, I stand to be corrected, oh, and I apologise, Pocky, if I've dumped you in it or whatever. But <laughs> I think that's it. Sort of shows what it means to have a you know mm. uh, the eyes of the world. Well, at least our small part mm. of the world mm. uh, focus on the on the territory for once in, in a while. And good luck to not only Trav and, and Aaron, but everyone up there. Bit bit warmer than it is down here in the south, and uh, I'm sure they're looking forward to playing up there at this where time. Where is of it? Year. Do you know where it's being played? It's Palmerston. Yep. Okay, you're right. So yeah. it's um you know just a little bit, just a tiny bit south of Darwin, not very far at mm. all. So uh, best of luck to everyone up there. The PGA doesn't have PGA TV website going uh, PGA TV on their website this week, but uh, they do have excellent. They have really a fantastic app, and you mm. can follow all the scores live on the PGA of Australia's app. So get it on is that. Outstanding. Uh, there's been some European teams golf being played, and there's been the girls, the girls amateur, and the boys is coming up. So there's a bit of high level teams in amateur golf we should just touch base on before we wrap it up. Do you want to do the women's, and I'll do the the men's? Or do you, I'll, I'll start off with the men's. I'll sure. confuse the hell out of you. No, <laughs> go for so it. this being Tuesday, we're one round into the US amateur at Pebble Beach and Spyglass Hill. The match play will come over to Pebble Beach when it's done. So hopefully, by the time people are listening to this later in the week, we've got 
three or four of the eight young Australian men continuing on into the uh, match play phase. Uh, right now, as we speak, Zach Murray is our leading contender and that, that'll warm a lot of hearts around the Murray because mm. he's a great young fella. Yep, and we had uh, Steph Bonke on the on the other side of things. Um, I think she was the only Aussie playing, wasn't she? Uh, Sophie Yip, the second Sophie one Yip, as well. Yep. Um, so uh, essentially, I, I mean, it was, ended up being won by a girl called Kristen Gilman, who's won it for the second time in four years. Last time she actually won in 2014, um, she's an American girl. She took down Brooke Henderson mm. in the final. Um, so she's got, she's got some stick yeah, to her. Yeah. Um, she also actually was just over in Japan about a month ago and won an event on the JLPGA as an amateur. Um, so a real def- definitive um, name to watch. But, I mean, from the Aussie side, you know, probably didn't quite quite get where uh, the girls were hoping. But essentially just going out there and exposing yourself to, to players like that um, in, a, in a golfing sense, as Hazy starts having. No, no, but- I was actually laughing at exposing <laughs> yourself, not, not, not in that way. But Steph Bunky got to the match play. She got in her round of 64 match and got in a um, – she was in the middle. I think she was like – maybe high 20s in the seeds and she was you know playing someone very comparable yeah lauren stevenson yeah very very good golfer yeah and 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 steph can this birdie putt must have been on the 17th <laughs> and she hadn't been on the coverage much it's fair to say andy strangely enough and she made a birdie putt on the 17th and it just fell in the right side of the hole and she went as you would say andy coco banana, coco banana. <laughs> it was feisty she, the loved fist it. pumps and walking off the green and the chest out i was so inspiring to watch um, more of it she was she was awesome so hopefully her her stocks have gone up just in recognition and um, she ended up losing one down on the last to a birdie from stevenson but uh, very creditable performance. Yeah, while we've just touched on Japan as well, another great finish from Karis Davidson mm. over there. Her uh, sixth, sixth top 20 of the season. She's now up to 42 on the money list over there. Uh, she's made a little over 16 million yen. Um, <laughs> that sounds good. I know, just right? Just don't convert it because I, that just it's sounds actually, awesome. <laughs> it's actually a really good living. Yeah, I, yeah, I want to yeah. say it converts to about 200000 Aussie dollars. Oh, that's, that's great. Um, yeah. And that's halfway through the season. So she really is doing well. The, the JLPGA is unbelievable. They've yeah. got 33, 34 events. Their women's TV ratings are double that of the men's, who only have 21 events per year. And the ratings are actually double. It's not just because of the events. So. Well, what a fantastic um, stat to bowl out after the chat we had at the top of the second segment about Inby Park and her three-wood. That... Um, yeah. I was not aware of that. I yeah. knew I knew that it was really healthy in Japan, but I didn't realise that they had more events and bigger TV numbers. Same than the for Nets. the KLPGA. Gee, that's, that's great. That that's awesome. And starting to get a bit more weight in the Rolex rankings. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, rightfully so. You know, I think we saw what three JLPGA players feature at the room, uh, the Rico Women's British Open. Mm. And contend properly mm. contend, mm. and one of them, um, Mumiko Higa. She's that just having she. a killer, killer year. Mm. Um, I want to say it was 13 top 10s this season. Um, serious player. But but it translated into the majors. It wasn't yeah. just in Japan mm. anymore. We're going to see more and more of it. And mm. they're getting the formula right. And to that end, Andy, you know, she's within a couple of points. <laughs> Karis Davidson's nearly got Kari Webb in the world rankings. Well, it's, it's, it's said um, Kari has come down, obviously, and she yeah. did the first to tell you that, and she's playing part-time. But Karis is right there. Good, like it, it. Good, it's incredible where no, she's well, getting to. Hey, the more that, the more the merrier. Yep. You know, Curry's done her bit. We don't need her f- flying the flag anymore. Um, speaking of flying the flag, was there a boil over in the European teams championships? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting. It was the first time that golf's been featured in that kind of a setting, aside from the Olympics, really. Yeah. Um, it's a big deal in Europe, mainly as, you know, historically shown within the Olympics for kind of the track side and, and those kind of events yep. that don't get a lot of a, 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 a platform to kind of show off their, their trades. But um, it was really positive. I think it was really good. They got great crowds. It was held at Glen Eagles. Um, so that's, you know, hosted Ryder Cup, mm. um, Solheim Cup next year as well. Um, amongst other numerous, numerous events. Um, but there was, so there was a men's event, a women's event. They were all in teams of two, but there was also a mixed event, which was super interesting because Iceland won it. And awesome. you think, oh, that's a throwaway. Like, you know, th- no chance that they'd win. But Iceland actually is is really blossoming with their golf. Um, the two girls that were on the team, and I, and I Forgive me for knowing more about the women because I haven't seen the mm. two representatives from Iceland on, on any TV recently. <laughs> but um, Alafia, Kristen's daughter, and um, Valdis Thora, John's daughter, um, the two, she, one of them, Valdis is actually studying to be a craftswoman at the moment, which I think is like a carpenter. Are you going to back me up here? I, just, oh, I have oh, never heard. Yeah, Not since about 1735 has anybody actually been classified <laughs> so she's as with a, a craftsperson. She, she's a true Viking right. with a hammer. Yeah. But um, no, but it was super cool to kind of see, you know, see a little bit of development. Um, both of, well, all three of the GB teams did great. Um, they ended up getting bronze on the women's side. Um, silver went to uh, France. Sweden ended up winning the gold. As we've been talking about Sweden. Yeah, no, are, um, yeah. On the men's side, it was uh, Spain first, Iceland second. Um, so double double showing there, a couple of medals, a little extra luggage on the way home. And then Italy um, came in with bronze. But I don't know. I just I felt like everyone that was there really thoroughly enjoyed it. I would it. like to see that. I would have liked to have been watching it. Yeah. I would have been, here we go. What's this thing called again? 11. <laughs> 11. What's it? 11 sport. Yeah, well, I don't know sport. what they've got the rights to. Sport flicks. No, Where are you, sport, sport flicks? flicks. Net yeah. sports. I need it. Where is maybe, it, Hazy? Oh yeah, I, I think maybe there's not much to be said positive in global warming, Andy, but maybe the rise of Icelandic golf could be the one saving grace. <laughs> There is an upside in everything. I had to find something. Green it was shoots, a bit, it was a bit of a reach. Green shoots. Green shoots. Uh, I got, I got, I got a couple, Andy. Go on, quick. ISPS. Hand oh, off. of course, World Cup. Yes. Um, had the good chance to get down to Metro yesterday, Metropolitan, which is the host of the World Cup of Golf in um, from the twenty first to twenty fifth of November, uh, and be part of the announcement or party to the announcement that uh, ISPS Hander, you know a powerhouse in mm. sponsorship of golf around the world, and particularly in Australia, is going to carry the can there mm-hmm. too, which is awesome. Um, and uh, working towards so many different things around inclusive golf. So full credit to ISPS Hander for coming on board there as well. Here, here, um, spot on. And Metro, just by the by, is starting to look pretty good. And John Key makes you want to be a New Zealander. As much as he can. Yeah. He's such a cool bloke. He's just a good bloke, isn't he? <laughs> He's a ripper. I actually, the world I actually Cup, got yeah. to play five or six holes with oh, him Oh, did yesterday. you? Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, a, yeah, just yeah. a cracker. Yeah. Just, just a genuine yeah. bloke. I wish yeah. we had more politicians who were as approachable and as normal as he did. Yep. Did I see? Is that? Did I go too far? Is that like saying what you imported did there? <laughs> you didn't name names. It's okay. No, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, no. So that that's fantastic, um, Andy. And I, I've got a couple of little housekeeping things here. Please, from, please housekeep. We mentioned at the top of the show, obviously Jared Lyle. Um, there's been, you know, we're still trying to figure out a bit more, as I said earlier, about where you can go and what you can do and everything like that. But a couple of things, if you don't mind, is w or sorry, golf.org.au forward slash Lyle family where you can go and donate. And there's heaps of more information than I'll pass on here, but golf.org.au 
slash Lyle family, one word, uh, log on to that and check it out. And if you can do your part, that'd be awesome. And as I said before, Titleist um, just sent me something early, just as we're on air here, and I can't read it out now, but um, get to challenge.org.au or ring Challenge Cancer and, and actually request the Titleist pack. They're doing going to do some great things for a long-time great. supporter of Jared's. Uh, it's a, a brilliant thing for them to do. Good on them. Um, that warms the cockles of your heart, Al, that sort of stuff. Yeah. You okay? Yep. Good on you, Chief. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's good to see you again. Yeah, it's good to be back. Good to uh, cover some interesting topics and yeah. then, you know what, just look back on a, even for a moment, on a life that was pretty special. Here, here. Hazy, good to see you smiling again, Coco, even Thanks, if Sam. it's through um, a heavy heart. There's Still, no doubt, and that'll yep. be for a while, but of yeah, course no, it it's will. Um, good. To, uh, I'm really warmed, I guess, inwardly by everything that's happened around that this week to know mm. that when. Chips are down. Everyone's there for you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, this has been Inside the Ropes, episode number 56. 57 next week. We'll see you then.